Well, welcome everyone. This is Laurel Sykes, the Chief Compliance and Risk Officer at American Riviera Bank. And we're here with American Riviera's Regional Pulse. Um, today I have with me Vicki Johnson from the local district attorney's office and Heather Clark from our police department. And we're gonna be speaking today about financial elder abuse um, and some of the crimes that are targeting seniors in our area today. Um, to give some background on the topic, I'm sure we've all heard the stories, um, but baby boomers born between 1946 and 64 are the largest part of our population right now. Um, and they continue to reach senior status in record numbers, um, due in part to increased life expectancy um, and also just the population uh, in general. So today we're gonna hear from um, our guests about uh, recent scams that they're witnessing in the communities that we serve here. Um, and we're gonna also talk about some tips for spotting abuse and for stopping the abuse. Um, so first I'd like to welcome both of you. If you'd like to give us a little bit of background on who you are and where you're from. Hi, thanks Laurel. Well, I work for the Santa Barbara County District Attorney's Office. I'm a Deputy District Attorney. I've been with the office for probably 27 or so years. Uh, most of that time I spent in the courtroom prosecuting cases, but now my job is to go out and educate seniors about elder financial abuse and elder abuse in general. So that's what I'm currently doing. Fantastic, why don't we hear from Heather now? A little bit of background on you. Thank you, Laurel. Uh, Heather Clark, I've been a detective with the Santa Barbara Police Department for five years now. I specialize in elder abuse and white collar crime. So I spend a lot of time reviewing reports, especially working in partnership with APS and local financial institutions. Um, sometimes arrest isn't always the end, but uh, we do have some success in stopping some of these things that we're seeing in our community. Great, so Heather, for our guests that may not know about APS, um, it stands for Adult Protective Services. Do you wanna give us a little bit of background on APS and how you work together with them? Sure, so uh, there are a lot of agencies in our community that are mandatory reporters, such as financial institutions, and they report circumstances to Adult Protective Services that are then cross-reported to law enforcement agencies in the jurisdiction in which those occur or which the victim might live. We get both agencies, both Adult Protective Services and the police department, get some very basic information. And then we both kind of set out on our investigations to try and uncover what is really happening. And some of those might be scams, some of them might just be concerns. They aren't necessarily criminal activity right off the top. So those are just points of awareness really that come to us and not all of them end up being a report to a law enforcement agency. So if people get a call or something of that nature, it's, it's not necessarily a concern, it's really a point of inquiry to protect our seniors and those that are vulnerable in our community. Great, and how often do you see that those reports actually turn into something that um, results in financial exploitation? Well, the, the important thing is that it's so underreported. So even though a small number actually become reports and ultimately arrests and prosecutions, the number of reports being made in general is so small. Given the level of activity that we really believe is occurring, it's kind of tip of the iceberg kind of thing. And really, in terms of reports directly to law enforcement, it's about 6%. 
that wow. is even made to our agency wow. or, or any law enforcement agency depending on jurisdiction. So we know that it's an issue that is certainly prevalent in our community. You know, and it's interesting, I've been reading that the, the estimates for monies lost through financial exploitation um, range anywhere from 2.9 billion to 39 billion, depending on what study you look at. And um, the, the common thread is it is underreported. Why do you think that is? There's, there's some amount of fear. Um, for some, some people it's embarrassment, uh, whether it's a scam or maybe it's a family member. Um, some people feel like they should have known better, and so it's kind of a, a life lesson. Some fear the repercussions especially in cases where it might be a family member. And the other side of that is they might lose their independence if they don't live in that compromising circumstance uh, that, that is ultimately abusive, whether financial or physical or, or neglect. It's, it's still better than the alternative, which could be a facility or who knows what. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's really unfortunate because a lot of people fall prey to scams on a regular basis and it doesn't necessarily target a specific age and I think the most important thing we can do is something like we're doing today where you do the education and increase awareness so that it doesn't become a stigma to to fall prey to these scams you know I worked um, a case a, a little while back for um, one of these romance scams where someone had fallen prey to someone that she had met online uh, and this was somebody in her 40s this wasn't even an, an elderly person um, but it fallen prey to the point where she was sending money um, overseas because this this person had uh, indicated that he would be marrying her when he came back to the US um, and again really embarrassed about um, the situation that she found herself in but with these romance scams for those of our listeners that aren't familiar with them it can happen anywhere it can happen by meeting somebody on Facebook maybe they've infiltrated a group or created a fake profile Maybe you've met them through your church group locally, but in most cases, these are people that you have not seen and you create this virtual relationship with. Um, and a lot of the cases that I worked um, in my prior life, it'd be four or five months before the crook would start asking for money. And by that point, they've paid attention to everything that you've said. Um, they've apparently paid attention to everything that you like and everything that you dislike, and they start to feel like they may be the one, your last chance at love. And, um, so not only are you realizing that you've been scammed out of your money, but you're also um, realizing that you don't really have a fiance or somebody that's that's going to spend the rest of their lives. Exactly, with you. and we we all want to feel validation. So to engage in that in that relationship, though it may be virtual, uh, it's it's really distressing to understand that that's. Some people ask, well. Well, how can they have that, that much time? They took, they invested so much time. It must mean it's real. Absolutely. But when you get to the end of a, a four or six or or multi-year relationship, and you realize that some of these people are making millions, literally millions of dollars, all of all of their assets, homes, insurance, they'll they'll sell everything, like you said, to that one last chance at love, and they they truly they prey on on that community and it's it's not it's not elders it's not just women it's not just vulnerable it's not just people who live alone it's it's across the population there really is no they have no shame mm -hmm. the criminals who engage in this activity 
And I think that part of the, the challenge too is with the older population, they're the ones that have accumulated the assets. Um, they're more likely to be at home and alone and, and have the landlines to accept the phone calls. Um, and they just, they, they're the ones with the assets to go after. So it's really a, a challenge. Um, you've got the increasing population and then the fact that, that, um, that they do have, have money to go after. And then you combine that with the fact that they're not able to re-earn the money once it's lost. And it just creates a really devastating effect. I mean, I've heard stories of suicides following these types of scams. Um, Vicki, have you worked with clients in the past that have fallen prey to these romance scams? Laurel, I have worked with romance scam victims. And the thing that is so frustrating is that these victims refuse to believe that they are being scammed. They are so looped in, they are so under the ether that these scammers create that they honestly believe that this person is the love of their life, that they're going to have a wonderful future together as soon as this person gets uh, home from overseas or wherever they pretend to be. And no matter how much you talk to them about romance scams, how much evidence that you can present to them that they are in fact being scammed, they absolutely refuse to believe it until all their money is gone and they're left with nothing. We had a one success after a woman had fallen prey and, and near as we can tell, her, her husband had passed and near as we can tell, his email account was hacked after his passing. And um, the person on the other line was purporting to be a business partner, a business associate of her, of her deceased husband and dated her uh, quote unquote online for four to five months and then started asking for money. And as they were coming in to um, ask the teller for wires to be sent to China, because he'd gotten a job there allegedly and needed money to pay the Chinese government his taxes before he could come home. Um, and you know, one, one wire went out, we finally stepped in with a fraud department and sat down with the client and um, talked to the customer about what was going on and got a copy of one of the emails. And we were able to show to her that email was actually coming from within the United States, not from China. And at that point, it finally hit that it really, really wasn't the case. And it was just, it was just, it's devastating. Um, Vicki, tell me, what other types of scams do you see targeting seniors in our community right now? Uh, Laurel, we have a fraud hotline. And this hotline goes directly to my office. So every day I get phone calls from members of our community reporting different scam attempts or sometimes the fact that they've been scammed. And the one that is absolutely rampant right now, I probably get five or six calls a week about this particular scam is the social security scam and I'm sure you've also heard of it. So this takes a couple of different forms. Uh, somebody might call you, a scammer might call you, telling you that they're from Social Security and that there's a problem with your account, they need some additional information to ensure that you continue to get benefits, or they might be able to increase your benefits if uh, you divulge certain information. So they might ask you to confirm your Social Security number and perhaps give you their banking information. So right there they've set you up to be scammed to have your money taken the other scam that i've heard about and i've had a couple of people who unfortunately have fallen victim to this one they will get a phone call from social security telling them that their social security card or their social security number 
has somehow been involved in criminal activity. Mm -hmm. This one senior, for example, got a phone call saying that uh, this gentleman was from the Social Security Administration, that her Social Security card had somehow been found at a crime scene in Texas. There was possibly a murder involved. There was blood in the car where the card was found. There were drugs and they were terribly worried that her bank accounts were going to be compromised. So here's what she needed to do in order to protect herself. She needed to go to the bank, take out all of her money, put it on gift cards, mm -hmm. send it to the scammer, who of course was purporting to be from Social Security. He would put it into a secure account until they were certain that her card was safe. So unfortunately, she did that, and these scammers even sent a taxi to come pick her up because oh, she didn't wow. have any way to get to the bank. She went to the bank, she withdrew her life savings, which was $11,000 in her case, oh. and she sent it off to these crooks and then realized after talking to her son that she had been scammed. But Laurel, the interesting thing is, it's not just seniors who have been targeted by this scam. The very next week, I talked to a young woman who was a university student. She got the same kind of phone call saying that for some reason her social security number or card had been compromised by some criminal activity, that she needed to safeguard her bank account and she actually believed it because she had been the victim of identity theft some months prior. So it made sense to her that somebody could have gotten hold of her social security card. So she went to the bank, she took out $600, which was a part of her grant mm. that she was getting for her for education. School. Yeah. Oh, no. So it's not just seniors that get trapped by these crooks. And you have to remember, they really are professional. They know exactly how to work you. So Vicki, it's interesting that you bring up the Social Security Administration scam. I seem to be getting two or three of those sometimes a day, um, and I've been letting them go to voicemail so that I can have the recording to listen to um, and to, to use for educational purposes. So why don't we hear a, a snippet of that recording now so people can know what it sounds like. Hi, this call is from Social Security Administration Office. My name is Officer Amanda Barnes and the purpose of the call, we are trying to reach you to let you know that your Social Security number has been used for some kind of fraudulent activities in the south border of Texas. So please in order go ahead get more information. To speak with Officer Press 1. I repeat Press 1. Thank you and have a great day. That is 786-516-2011. I repeat, it's 786-516-2011. Verify the last four digits of your social security number when you call to better assist you with this issue. Now, if I don't hear a call from you, we will have to issue an arrest warrant on the, your name and get you arrested. So please give me a call back. Bye-bye. So Vicki, speaking of um, you know, college-age students, we've also had scams reported where um, maybe they think they've been hired to do a job, these work-at-home scams. Yes. Um, we had a, a, a young lady, I think she was 21, she was on Care.com, 
and she believed she'd been hired to do a job as a nanny. And the first thing that the fraudsters did was send her a check, a couple thousand dollars in the mail, um, asked her to deposit it to her bank, and then um, send $1,200 to quote unquote grandma as part of her first duties as the nanny. Um, not realizing that she thought the money was in her bank account, but there's still a float in banking. And the check still hadn't cleared. It was in her account, but the check bounced a couple days later and she'd already sent the $1,200. Um, so it's, it's, it's prevalent, it's happening all over town. Um, what other types of, of these fraud scams are you seeing and hearing from clients? Well, another one that seems to be going on right now is what I call the government grant scam. And a couple of people that I've talked to recently have been taken in by this scam. And this is one of those where, if it sounds too good to be true, uh, it really is too good to be true. So usually it starts on Facebook and somebody is on their Facebook account and they get a message from a friend and their friend tells them about this great government grant program to eradicate poverty. They will give you money to pay off your debts. Oh my goodness. Now you do have to contribute a little bit to get this money because of course you have to pay taxes on this government grant. So for example, one of the women I talked to was promised $20,000, but of course she had to pay $600 first to cover the taxes and then she was going to get the $20,000, which she did, and... And that's what happened. You know what's interesting is I just got a, um, a message uh, through Facebook Messenger from somebody that I know on Facebook, and, hi, how are you doing? And I uh, haven't talked to you in a while, which was true, and so I responded back, and, and the next thing I know, he says, hey, have you heard about this Powerball lottery? You know, I've got great news to share. And as soon as that happened, I thought, oh, great. His Facebook account's been hacked. I, I saw on Facebook he was traveling, so he probably doesn't know it yet. Um, but it was interesting because as soon as I stopped responding to this message, the crook on the other end got so aggressive. Where are you? Are you there? Um, I need to talk to you. But I could tell what was coming next, trying to get the money into the, you know, the U.S. And I'm supposed to be the one to help and I get to keep money for my troubles, right? For your help, exactly. Yeah. The other one that seems to have reared its ugly head again is the Publishers Clearinghouse Scam. And this is where you get a phone call telling you that you've won. You've won big, Publishers Clearinghouse. But of course, uh, you have to pay taxes on the money that you're receiving and you have to pay the taxes before you get the money. And uh, they usually are very clever. This is usually a multi-layer scam because there's the person that calls you to tell you about the big prize and then you have to contact somebody else and they're the administrator and they're going to tell you how to claim your prize and they're going to compute the taxes for you and tell you where to send that money. So then you make that call and you send the money and you wait and wait and wait and of course you don't get the $3 million or $15 million or whatever ridiculous amount that they've claimed that you've won from Publishers Clearinghouse. And this scam had sort of died down mm -hmm. for a while, but it's rearing its, it's ugly bad. head again and I'm hearing about it. That's wild. You know, and. It's, it's interesting too because the other thing that we're starting to see an increase in is uh, fraud against um, seniors by family members, by caregivers, by loved ones. 
Maybe there's a cleaning person in the house that's helping out or cooking meals and all of a sudden some checks are missing and then checks are being forged on the person's account. Um, or even worse, you've got um, family members that are, that are um, taking money from our seniors. And Heather, I know you've had some cases lately with regard to um, internal uh, abuse and, and internal caregiving fraud. Would you like to share some stories with us? We, we have, and you know, we, we want to believe that the criminal is a stranger. And unfortunately, especially in cases of elder abuse, it's more often not. And that's not to, to accuse everyone that is in a position of trust because uh, at a certain point, we probably will all need some form of that, whether it's family or an outside caregiver, and there are varying levels, and, and given where we live, we know the costs associated with that. And so sometimes uh, you hire a neighborhood friend or someone you found on Costco or a Craigslist, um, and, and they do have access to all of those financial instruments. And sometimes it's, it's a crime of opportunity and desperation, and sometimes they're just bad people. Um, and that goes for family members too. It's terribly unfortunate. There's the added layer of being a family member, and so you have all of the relationships that have come with that, but they're also in a position of trust, mm -hmm. and it comes back to that, that independence too, mm -hmm. and how, uh, you know, if the elder is living by themselves, maybe that's what is helping them to do that. They have caregiver in the house a few times a week, um, and then when you have multi-layers of lots of people in the house, you might have a housekeeper, you might have a caregiver, you might have an adult son or daughter, they might have friends that are not of the best character that might be spending time in the house. And so checks and we want to think those are all safe and that the bank's going to catch it or someone's going to catch it. But all of those modern conveniences that mm -hmm. make things faster for us as a consumer make it faster for the crooks. Yeah, especially if they're inside like that and they understand enough about the, the person to to socially engineer their way into bank accounts. You know, if you're calling on the telephone and you know all the special secret questions and you know where your brother lives and you know, I think that's one of the biggest challenges. But another thing that we see is people continue to use things like mother's maiden name as their security phrase with their banking institutions. And I think one of the things that we all have to do is think very carefully about the types of information um, that we use to identify ourselves. And if you work with your local banker and come up with a series of questions that really, even if they knew you, maybe they couldn't guess. My favorite thing to do is to answer wrong to the question um, so that only I know the wrong answer um, or maybe it's a different spelling or a different phrasing or, or something like that. Um, you know, and there's all kinds of fun that you can have with security passphrases, but we do sometimes hear um, through service centers or the like, you hear the person maybe being coached by somebody on the other end, and that's when you can step in and stop the fraud before it happens. What other tips do you have for us to identify and recognize when a senior is potentially being taken? Well, I. I have to say I think our community banks, especially in Santa Barbara, do an amazing job. And they stop so much fraud and so much crime and bring our attention truly to to our elder population. And so congrats to you because you really do an outstanding job in that regard. And it's uh, 
it's a circumstance that it, it takes a village. It takes all of us. It can't just be law enforcement on the receiving end of a report. It can't just be the bank that sees them talking to the teller or overhears them on the phone. It it involves the, the drugstores that sell the gift cards. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are counties that do education in that way too. Uh, it takes all of us and it takes that conversation to be ongoing with the seniors in our community to recognize that this it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. They're not to blame, mm-hmm. and that we're we're trying to help everyone realizing that that we're going to be there too. And we hope that the generation coming behind us learns some lessons from from maybe the mistakes that we make along the way, and that we do a, a better job when we get there of of safeguarding our assets. And really, one of the the best pieces of advice is just to stop and think, mm-hmm. even if it's a phone call. And some of those phone scams, well, you have to stay on the phone with me. You don't mm-hmm. put the phone down and tell them you'll call them back mm-hmm. and and think about what just occurred and sometimes even if you can say it out loud you hear those words even if there's not another person to hear it you hear those words and you think that just doesn't sound right mm-hmm. and like like Vicki said if it sounds too good to be true mm-hmm. guaranteed it is and you know there's there's oftentimes that sense of urgency you know you've got to do this today You've got to do this within 48 hours because they don't want you placing a phone call to somebody else that can talk you out of it. Um, there's the pressure to act quickly. There's the um, sometimes they'll even coach what to say when they go into their banks. Right? I mean, we'll hear uh, constantly the term "it's a private matter." Tell your banker it's a private matter. Um, tell your banker that you're helping a friend or a family member. And in some of these cases, they've been so well coached that even though we can sense something is not quite right, we can't prove it out. Um, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times, both of you, um, the gift cards. And what I think is really interesting is this trend that we're seeing um, instead of wires, because now banks ask a lot of questions when wires are going out of the bank. But if you're withdrawing cash and then going down to your local CVS or Walmart to buy a gift card, um, that's been a little harder for people to stop and trace. And we're starting to see um, trends where people are even using their debit card to purchase iTunes gift cards or Google Play cards. And you know, at first, the first case that I, I looked at where iTunes was at play, I thought, well, what in the world are they going to do with all this music? Why does that benefit anybody? Um, only to realize, and I sh- it should have occurred to me, that it's convertible to Apple Pay money. So it's it's an instant form of, of transfer to get money to and from the fraudsters. And, you know, again, they're so intelligent in these scams they come up with. And if they could just use that power for good instead of evil, think about where we'd be in this, in this world. I know there's a uh, what's old is new again also in some of the crimes that we're seeing. Vicki, you were talking earlier about um, mailbox theft. Yes, that seems to be on the rise. Um, We advise people never to put anything into your mailbox. If you have one of those mailboxes at the end of your driveway with the red flag that goes up, we're sure those were invented by crooks to (laughs) tell them that there is something valuable in here. Come and get it. So uh, don't use your mailboxes. Don't use the blue bins that are on the street. Uh, I use the post office in Summerland and the blue mailbox right in front of the post office is no longer there because somebody tried to break into it. We've had stories of uh, crooks that have actually cut the legs off of these mailboxes and taken the whole whole thing away. 
So what are they looking for? Well, obviously they're looking for checks because they know how to wash the checks. Mm -hmm. There's a mixture of acetone and bleach that they can use to wash the check, remove the um, payee, remove the amount of money, write in their own name, write in a different amount of money, and go cash the check. And it's an easy way for them to get, to get cash. And there literally are crooks who will go up and down the streets in Santa Barbara. They love to go up and down the streets in Montecito and pull mail out of all the mailboxes to the point where uh, we had one case where the crooks were pulled over for some kind of defect in their taillight or something on their car. And when the police pulled them over and they were able to uh, get the occupants out of the car, the entire car was full to the brim with stolen mail. Wow. Wow. You know, and we, we heard about a case a couple years ago where they busted some, some gang members from Los Angeles that were here visiting parents, I guess, and a whole different kind of fishing equipment was in their trunk. From what I understand, you take something that's shaped like the mouth of, mouth of those blue bins, uh, like a Kleenex box. And then uh, one story I was hearing is taking a rat trap and using a lighter to have that rat trap sticky solution fall over the Kleenex box and then you throw it into the bin and wait for the mail to come out attached so you don't even need to run away with the, the bin itself. It's, it's just wild what they come up with. Absolutely. Now, there is a, a group that you're both a part of called the uh, Central Coast Scams um, Group, and I was wondering if you could share with me um, any, any success stories or things that we've done with local FBI. Um, sometimes, sometimes success comes from stopping someone from doing it the next time, unfortunately. Um, gift cards, once those numbers are given on the phone, they're gone. Mm -hmm. The money's gone. Um, a wire, it's gone. A check, depends whether it can be pulled back. Um, but getting someone to recognize that, that it's a scam, that they have been a victim, and to look at the signs that they missed the first time mm -hmm. so that they don't fall prey to it again. And like Vicki said, whether it's the mailboxes and the checks or uh, the gift cards or a phone scam, it's, it's really about seeing those signs and having that conversation that goes on and having it repeatedly. The same message doesn't work for everybody. Mm -hmm. So being able to talk about that and preventing the next one, um, that's sometimes that's success. Yeah. And Laurel, you were asking us about our Central Coast um, Scams Working Group. Mm -hmm. This is a tri-county organization. We have people from Ventura, Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo. It was started by uh, FBI um, victim witness agent Debbie Dean, and she put together this group as a working group to try and come up with some ways that we could help victims uh, and or prevent people from becoming victims. So she brings us guest speakers, often from the FBI, agents who have worked these scam cases. We share with each other the kinds of scams that are happening in our various communities, just so we are all aware. And we try and come up with ways that we can assist victims and educate those victims so that our vulnerable population is better protected. That's fantastic. And it's, it's interesting, um, American Riviera Bank has branches in um, San Luis and Paso Robles as well. And um, 
One of the cases that um, occurred last year in our community was one of these virtual kidnapping scams. So I did a bunch of research on virtual kidnapping and where it started and where it originated. And for those of our listeners that don't know what that is, um, it's kind of a spin on the grandparent scam that you may have heard of. Um, and I, I actually first got interested in uh, this fight against elder financial abuse several years ago when my grandmother-in-law uh, had fallen prey to a grandparent scam. And near as we could tell, her mailbox had been broken into several times, checks stolen several times, and um, money was disappearing from her account. Um, and near as we could tell, they, they Googled and looked for her online information and were able to find the name of my husband, Tom. Um, so the fraudster calls her up and says, Hi, Grandma. It's me, Tom. I'm in Santa Barbara. And she falls hook, line, and sinker, and he says, Grandma, you can't tell Mom and Dad. I'm having some trouble with some drugs, and I need some money. So she goes as far as to go to her investment guy and liquidate um, her retirement money and um, finally calls Tom, and he answers the phone, and he says, Hi, Grandma. She goes, Tom, we need to have a talk about these drugs. And he says, Grandma, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you called me last week for $5,000. No, Grandma, I didn't. I haven't talked to you in two months. Um, so at this point, it was before dementia was really kicking in for her. She was an ex-banker. She worked for 30 years as a banker and, and felt silly that she'd almost fallen prey to this. So by the time this guy calls her back, she is rearing and ready to go. Um, she used to have season tickets to go see the 49ers. So she had all kinds of 49er gear in her house. And she took one of those blowhorns. And as soon as this, this guy caught, I always want to call them a gentleman, and they're just not. But as soon as this guy calls her, she, uh, she yells into the phone, you should be ashamed of yourself. I hope your mother knows what you do. I've reported you to the cops. They're after you. And she took the blowhorn and stuck it up to the phone and blows his eardrums out. I just, I love that story. So I've been, I've been kind of involved in this ever since, trying to figure out ways to use banking knowledge to try and help what's going on in the community. And then lo and behold, last year, um, these virtual kidnapping scams are kind of a new wave of, of the grandparent scam. Um, and it was a case where, um, actually there were a couple of cases reported in the area, but where you've got people working um, or, or in Mexican prisons and they're looking for a way to make money either to you know buy swag for themselves or maybe get themselves out of prison. And they were targeting in Beverly Hills all of the local landlines and they were pretending to have um, kidnapped a grandson or a daughter and do terrible, terrible things. And your fear factor catches up with you and you know you get the lizard brain and you don't think. They keep you on the telephone to the point you made earlier so that you can't call anybody else. And they, they solicit money. And um, these virtual kidnapping scams are just, are just terrifying. And uh, they, they were first targeting Beverly Hills, then they moved over into the Santa Barbara County. We heard reports of it even in the San Luis Obispo County area. Um, really, they're looking for these zip codes because they know it's where the money is and they know that there's a high population of seniors living here with the landline and with the access to assets. It's just, it's just terrifying. Um, what about, kind of to, to close our conversation today, um, Vicki, do you have anything to share about the key things to remember when dealing with elder financial fraud? Well, whenever I go out and give presentations, I always tell them at the end that there are some things that they really should remember. And unfortunately, the first thing I tell them is do not answer your phone. <laughs> this easier is the, said than done, right? Easier <laughs> said than done, but this is unfortunately the society in which we live because 
every other phone call, it seems, is from a scammer. So I tell them, do not answer your phone. Wait till it goes to voicemail. Look at caller ID. See if you recognize the person's name or the number. You can't always trust caller ID anymore because the crooks can spoof telephone mm -hmm. numbers coming from agencies or organizations that you may know. So wait till it goes to voicemail. If you recognize who is on the phone, go ahead and pick up, otherwise don't. Never give personal information over the phone unless you've made the call and you know who you're talking to. Uh, if somebody asks you to pay by way of gift card, it is a scam. Mm -hmm. That is the big red flag. And the reason you don't want to answer the phone and engage with these folks is that if these scammers think they have a live line, a phone line that somebody will pick up, you will be put on a sucker's list and you will get more and more and more of these scam phone calls. And even if you didn't fall for the first scam, they'll think, well, this person will at least talk to us, so we're going to run several more scams and see if we can get their money. Heather, do you see that often where someone falls prey to a, a scam or um, is, is taken by an insider and it, it turns into multiple different types of avenues and different types of scams? Well, the, one of the problems is that it's so underreported to begin with mm -hmm. that we don't often hear about all the attempts. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they will attempt the, the grandparent scam or the publisher's clearinghouse, and it might not be either of those, but maybe it's a romance scam. Mm -hmm. So boiler room kind of situation, lots of people working on commission to get people to sign up and send money. And unfortunately, they have enough success to make it worth their while. Absolutely. It's a numbers game to them. It is. You know, in, in teaching some of these classes, the thing that always gets me is they really don't care about the demographic on these grandparent scams. I was talking to a, a couple that had lived in Carpinteria and been targeted there, and the fraudsters started at, I think, $10,000 for the grandparent scam and kept ratcheting it down until it was 2500 when they finally said they could pay it. And I thought, oh my gosh, is there is there no conscience whatsoever because I mean that that goes to show you're wiping out somebody who doesn't have the money to begin with and doesn't have the means to begin with but it also can impact those of us with means because in some cases you can have somebody with significant access to assets but that goes away over a period of years to the point where they don't have the money they need to pay their bills or their housing expenses and you know sometimes We'll hear that in, in, the, in the banking environment where suddenly a senior doesn't have the ability to pay their funds or maybe someone has stopped paying their utilities on their behalf and that's where you start to see that abuse might be going on. And that brings up another issue for me and this is something that we're seeing more and more of unfortunately and this situation is going to get much worse before it gets better. And that is where the ne'er-do-well son or daughter or grandchild moves back home. Mm -hmm. And often this person has drug or alcohol problems, they've lost their job, they have nowhere to go, um, mom is widowed, she's living alone, and they move back home ostensibly to take care of mom. And pretty soon they've gained access to mother's bank accounts, to her retirement accounts. Uh, they can sometimes even talk their parent into signing over the home to them. This is a tragic, tragic situation, and parents, unfortunately, 
have a hard time saying no. And it's something that we really have to talk to folks about and tell them it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no to your child. And maybe one strategy, if you are asked if the child can move in or if they can have access to your bank account, one strategy might be to say, I'm going to have to think about that. I can't give you an answer right now. And then have a trusted person mm -hmm. that you can go talk to and get some feedback and then make your decision. Well, I thank you both for your time today. This has been very educational. I, I think I'll just close by asking, um, maybe you could give us the phone number to the fraud hotline or any other contact information that would be good for our listeners to have. Absolutely, and feel free to call me at any time. I return every phone call. The fraud hotline is area code 805-568-2442, and this goes directly to my office. Fantastic. Well, thank you both for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.